Hey everybody and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 111, The Pomodoro Technique. One. It sounds like one, you're hitting like a one, button for like a remix. Waka waka. Yeah, or like back in the day when you had games that you had you could like accidentally hit the button for oh, like as a toddler. Yeah. Where one <laughs> red yeah. square. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the Fisher Price version of time <laughs> and attention. The, the this episode is dedicated for people under the age of three. No, I mean it does use something that's like kind of fun when you're three years old, I guess, like those kitchen timers. Although oh, yeah, yeah. I've actually never seen a true Pomodoro timer. One shaped like a tomato? Yes. So for those of you who didn't maybe see the the title of this episode, yeah. um, we're talking about the Pomodoro technique, which is, I think, maybe one of the most, I don't know, famous like productivity tips or suggestions, right? It's, I feel like it's just out in the ether. Like everyone has heard of this. You would say it's overrated. Yes, I would. Wow. No, I actually, no, I don't think it's overrated. <laughs> I could, no, I'll walk that back. Will you, okay. I just don't think it's for me. Okay. We had a, a car ride today, <laughs> a two hour car ride to a family reunion yes. and back. Hi, Jenny. Cousin Jenny. She Hi, mentioned the podcast at the yes. family. Hello. Um, you think she was shocked to, to hear her name? Maybe. Um, but you were bashing the Pomodoro technique basically the whole way home. Yeah. I, I wasn't bashing it. I just think it's a, it's not for me, and I don't think it fits the type of work I tend to do. You think much like um, a machine that a toddler uses that has <laughs> shapes and colors and numbers on it. It's a kind of a Fisher Price version of a productivity technique. Oh, that's really harsh. No, mm. I think it's a very, it's a kind of nice. What do we call it? A gateway productivity oh, method, right? Nice. Where it gets you. It. I think it just can very quickly bring awareness to your workflow yeah. and the way you work and the way you relate to your work, and that's a great starting point for a lot of other really wonderful habits and productivity tips, for yeah. lack of a better word. I just think the Pomodoro technique is a an oversimplification for what it's actually trying to achieve. Yeah, we should say what it is. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's essentially a rhythm of working where you work for 25 minutes on something. You define what you're going to work on for 25 minutes beforehand. You set a timer for 25 minutes. And that, that's what it's named after, those Pomodoro kitchen timers, because you can easily turn one to 25 minutes and then just keep repeating that. But essentially the rhythm is you work for 25 minutes on something, you take a break for five, then you repeat that twice. So you go 25, 5, 25, 5, 25, 5, and then you do another 25, but then you take a longer break after that one. And it, it actually maps on top of the research on the proportion of the day that is optimal for us to take a break over. So we talked about, I dug it up before, in episode 78, where we talk about the ideal amount of the day that we should be on break, according to science, according to our circadian and rhythm of according to studies that have been conducted uh, mostly by desk time which is a time tracking app where they look at the most productive people that use their application and they think okay 
How long are people taking a break for? And it's usually 20, 25% of the day. Sounds like a lot, but it's the equivalent of a one-hour lunch and a couple of breaks, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, that are about 15 or 20 minutes long. So it, it maps on top of research for that. But it's essentially just this rhythm of working. And, you know, everybody's kind of into productivity to a different extent. extent. Some people are huge nerds about productivity like we are and like a lot of listeners to the podcast are. And maybe maybe they've evolved past this technique. Maybe they find this technique works in certain areas, maybe with things they're resisting, maybe with things they're putting off. Um, maybe they don't use it at all. But again, you know, productivity, we take what works for us and leave the rest. Some of us are huge nerds about it. Others of us aren't. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that there are two things the Pomodoro method is trying to do, right? Like this is popular and kind of appealing for two main reasons. The first is that it it kind of shrinks that resistance or yeah. friction or whatever you want to call it, that that hesitation or yeah, resistance you have to starting something. The mental, yeah. Yeah, the mental where resistance. maybe you're procrastinating, but 25 minutes doesn't feel like a long time. No. So if there's something you're putting off, committing to something for just 25 minutes kind of gets you over that hump. It gets you to yeah. just start. And the nice thing about resistance is it's usually stacked at the beginning of the timeline of a mm -hmm. task. And so, you know, it takes us forever to build up the courage to jump into a cold pool, for an example. But once we're in there, we quickly acclimate to the temperature. And tasks are the same way. It takes us quite a bit of time to wrap our mind around the uh, complexity of a task often and why we're resistant to it. So whether it's boring, frustrating, difficult, ambiguous, unstructured, whatever procrastination triggers it sets off, we need a bit of, uh, of time to overcome that uh, before we die. In. You're laughing at my hand gestures. I, I am. Why? Yeah. How dare you? How dare you, wife, <laughs> wife of mine? I mean, they were kind of suggestive. What? But <laughs> what am I? Oh, yeah. It looks like I'm holding something that I shouldn't be. All that to say. So put a pin in that piece. We should do a video. No, we shouldn't do a video no, podcast. No, we shouldn't do a video. It Why would not? be so boring. No, but maybe not. We could edit it down. Everybody's doing a video podcast now. I promise you, I will not do a video no? podcast. Okay. I'm usually wearing like my workout clothes because I'm about to go do yoga or something. Yeah, so, yeah. all the, okay, put a pin in your last thought though okay. before we got a little sidetracked right. because you Sorry. said it takes time to sink into cognitive or like complex tasks. Yeah. And that can take up to what, 15 minutes? So, just let's put a pin in that idea and mm -hmm. we'll come back to it because when we're talking about why maybe I don't love this or oh. where I use this or don't use this, we can come back to that thought. Okay. Because the set, we were kind of listing off the two things that the Pomodoro method is intended to do. The first is yeah. shrinking resistance. Yeah. The second is to build in breaks because lots and lots mm. of people don't think about using breaks strategically in their work mm -hmm. and you will just end up taking breaks, right? I think Laura Vanderkam in one of her books had a really great, like she mentioned that you're going to take breaks whether or not you intend to, yeah. right? Your mind will take them for you. Yeah. So if you don't like intentionally take breaks. I think she might've mentioned that on the pod. Hey, that hey. would be great. Hey. But if it, all that to say, like if you aren't being thoughtful about where you can take breaks in your work, you're going to find yourself just taking kind of low quality breaks. Like maybe you go on the news or kind of go check what your friends are saying on Slack TikTok. or whatever message. 
or yeah, Slack. TikTok, I guess. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, people use Slack all the time. So yeah. it's, but it's a, you're going to take a break whether or not you intend to just mm-hmm. naturally, right? You're going to reach a point where you're tired and you're more easily distracted. And if you take a low quality break, that doesn't let you come back to your work kind of recharged or replenished. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't do it thoughtfully, you're just going to get like nothing good out of that yeah. time. And because it fits with the proportion of time uh, throughout the day that we actually need to break for optimal productivity, it does embed that structure in. But there is this inherent rigidity to the technique, mo- most definitely. And that's that's where your qualms lie with it, right? Yeah, because I think there are two ways, or there are lots, sorry, not two ways, but I think there are a lot of other ways to accomplish getting over procrastination and making sure you take breaks. You could do those two things in other ways. The Pomodoro method is just a very like a very rigid way of yeah. accomplishing those two things. You, you know what's something I've been thinking quite a bit about lately? And I'd be curious to hear your take. And it's Me. related besides you and Eleanor <laughs> uh, and Jenny. Your cousin, cousin Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> there, there's another unexpected one. I hope she listens. To, if she doesn't listen to this episode, what's the point of mentioning Jenny, 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 Jenny? Um, but here's a question for you. How much do you think highly conscientious people actually need productivity advice? This is a chicken and egg problem, mm. I think, because people who are already very conscientious have probably thought about how they can like be more proactive about their time. I So I don't know. And people who are more proactive about their time have the space mm. to be more conscientious about this. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like conscientiousness is also one of those like five core personality traits. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really know how we're using the word, but so I guess I'm not sure. What do you mm. think? This is something I've been thinking a lot about. I, I think people who are highly conscientious are, you know, it's funny, people are drawn to productivity advice for a whole lot of reasons and a whole lot of motivations. And some people are lower on conscientiousness. And so they think, okay, I need some system that I can rely on for productivity advice. And other people, um, you know, I would put yourself in this camp, are really into productivity books as well, especially ones that are more science-based and things like that, um, because they want to up their conscientiousness. They've seen how far they've been able to come because of how conscientious they are. Uh, And they wish to accelerate that and discover blind spots and new ways of doing things. But it's, so I think it's kind of something that informs the productivity advice that we seek out, you know, kind of the underlying motivations behind it. But I also think it, it, it informs to some extent what techniques work best for us. And so, you know, if you're somebody who finds it difficult to introduce structure into your work, you procrastinate a lot, you find that you don't have the discipline, the motivation, the drive to get a lot of things done. And, you know, I would include myself in this with a lot of tasks. You know, doing my taxes is something I put off. And if I'm putting off something that's ultra, ultra aversive, I might set a timer. You know, I might shrink my resistance level to something, whether it's down to that 25-minute level or whatever level that I'm comfortable with. But I find, you know, this is kind of a a technique. I don't want to say graduated out of because that sounds kind of, I don't know, a bit pompous maybe. I think this is a good way to set a habit. And once you have a habit, you no longer need, I mean, maybe you can find like the edges of it where you can maybe not do just 25 minutes or you don't, like you don't find yourself being quite as averse to your work. And so, I mean, I think it's just about building a habit. And once you have that habit, 
maybe you don't need the gimmick. Yeah, and well, I, I wouldn't call it a gimmick because it does work for a lot of people and I have used it quite a bit in the okay, past. So maybe I'm being too hard on it because, okay, let's maybe, when do you use this? Or right when now? have you used this? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I do instead because <laughs> I don't really do the Pomodoro technique anymore. Uh, what I do instead is I just shrink my resistance level to a task. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of ways of overcoming aversiveness. Uh, I like to keep a, a resistance list and I think of it as resistance training. And so on this resistance list is everything that I'm resisting doing at a certain time. And every day I just pick one thing and I work on it for an amount of time that allows me to kind of build up that muscle up to the point where I can do a bit of mental resistance training and overcome that. Uh, but, you know, there are times when I just want like a simple technique to get over that mm. resistance. And then in that case, I'll shrink how long I do something for. And the, we, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's worth reiterating here, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll just shrink how long I do something for until I no longer feel that resistance to something. So meditation is a good example of this. There are some days where I just don't want to meditate for 30 minutes. The thought of it puts me off. So I'll think, okay, do I want to sit for 25? No. 20? 15? 10? Yeah, I could do 10. And so I find that resistance level and I can keep going past that point. Again, the resistance is usually stacked at the beginning of doing something or I can keep going past that point too. So I think, you know, the underlying motivations for this productivity technique, for overcoming resistance, for overcoming procrastination, for finding motivation. I, I think, you know, I still encounter the same problems, but I find that the other techniques are a different tool that I find more surgical for situations like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't do that particular thing. I also find I've I've found myself in some pretty good habits with my work lately. And yeah, so yeah. I, I'm, well, you're I'm a just, productive academic, I, I would say. I think, yeah, I think I get a lot done. And in, in the last, I don't know, year or two has been really, really just, my habits have been nice. Like I've been falling into good habits, which Cranking I'm very happy out about. papers. Yeah, there have been a lot this summer. So, but all that to say, I mean, I think I find I no longer use these methods. I, I will say, I did actually use the Pomodoro method pretty regularly one time in my life, and that was studying for comps. So oh. the only time I've the really ever comprehensive, used this. Uh, we should define it. The comprehensive oh, yeah. exams that you need to do for your PhD in economics. Most PhDs, actually. Yeah. So To officially be a nerd, you need to pass comps. Well, you have to prove you have <laughs> some kind of comprehensive knowledge of your field. So regardless of what you're going to go off and specialize, you need to do comprehensive exams. And studying for comprehensive exams is really, really overwhelming. You have, in my case, I had four months to study for the second one. And that's a lot of time to study for one exam. I had nothing else to do. And so it's very daunting, but also kind of boring where you have to study everything in economics. Like that's a really hard thing to do and very, very, very daunting. So I use this as a way to build a little structure, but again, I've never done it. I even, I think very quickly, I realized 25 minutes was just an arbitrary amount of time in my, in my <laughs> work. Cause I was doing like problem sets and sometimes it would take me more than 25 minutes to work through one problem. And I found it very distracting to have to leave in the middle of a problem yeah. when 
I wanted to like, I was in the middle of a thought process and then all of a sudden the timer goes off and I have to go switch things. And so, well, I would lump it as a half hour chunk. So the 25 minute on and then five off. Yeah. But 25 minutes and I'm still working on one problem. So 30 minutes, if you have 30 minutes between a meeting, for an example, it's a nice chunk of time. Oh yeah. 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 And I use those kinds of things all the time. I see, I have a 30 minute chunk of my day and I'm like, what can I do in 35 or 25 minutes? Yeah. And I'll bang out email or finish some admin thing. 25 minutes. Yeah, for sure. I'm not disputing that. So I find I found very quickly that the 25 minute part of this felt very limiting. And so I'm going to take out the pin we put in earlier about the complex tasks. Oh, I was wondering about that pin. Yeah. yeah. Because that's where I find this method the most limiting where nothing in my work pretty much takes 25 minutes. I mean, this might work for like lecture prep, but for for things in my work, which involve a lot of writing and a lot of coding, if I'm coding and I'm like working through a problem and I, my random 25 minutes is over, sometimes it takes me like 10 minutes to really get into a flow or 15 minutes to get into a but flow. But you can think about it in the five minutes. But I find that very disruptive. And so for yeah. me, I have gotten pretty good at building in breaks. So I know there will be an end, but I usually wait till there's like a natural breaking point in the work. Ideally at a breaking point where I need to give something some dedicated thought more than five minutes. So Mm. I'll wait until, oh, maybe I need to go take a 20 minute walk or just take a walk across around campus. And that's where I'm finding the like rhythm to be more effective Mm. where it naturally fits with my work rather than imposing this like half hour chunking into the day where I think this can work really well for work that's maybe more like linear but the work I tend to do, I find it less linear. And so this just kind of breaks up the natural momentum or like thought process that I have when I write or when I code. Yeah. Well, there's a couple. Well, and that's the interesting thing about work is there's so many different spectrums that every single activity or task that we do falls on. And so one is whether our work is focused or collaborative. And if you're doing work that's collaborative, it, you know, part of collaborative work is being interrupted and being able to interrupt other people. And so I, I would think that the Pomodoro technique is more conducive to the focused side of, of work. And the other spectrum that the different things we work on falls on is the extent to which it relies on our brain or just repetitive kind of heavy lifting. Um, and, And so, you know, there's kind of the knowledge work spectrum as well, where on one side are tasks that are simple, they're repetitive, uh, they're things that require not much thought. And so an interruption might not be as costly in that case, where you don't get so embedded in um, doing something and wrapping your head around it. Whereas if something is more knowledge work based, um, maybe it's a bit less conducive to something like this. And maybe uh, a technique for shrinking your resistance to it, it, it would be better suited for that. But so I think this speaks to that fundamental truth of productivity advice, which is we need to take the advice that works for us and leave the rest. Some of us, 
You know, think of a novelist in the woods who has all the time in the world to focus on the book uh, writing process. And then think about, you know, a busy administrative assistant who is doing collaborative work, maybe that is less knowledge work intensive all day long. The, the, the makeup of those two types of work is completely different. And I would think that the Pomodoro technique would be better suited to the novelist who's doing focused work, that's deep work, knowledge work all day long, than somebody who needs to be responsive to other people all day long. So again, take what works for you, leave the rest. But it, it's a handy technique, I'd say, to have in your arsenal. So how does this align with something like flow? Because I 100% mm. agree this can be really helpful if you're trying to f- fall into deep work. But then yeah. isn't the whole point of something like flow to get into that state and, and not track. have in- and like lose track? Yeah. So how do these two things align? Like if you're trying to find flow in your work, mm-hmm. if you're writing, why use this over something that will let, allow you to find in fall into flow? Yeah, I, I think there is sort of a rhythm that we can fall in with the Pomodoro technique where it becomes less of a chore and we become immersed in what we're doing. And the five minutes off seems like, uh, okay, oh, thank you for the reminder tomato timer on the desk. Uh, I will get a tea. I will get a coffee. I will go to the, oh, wait, I have to go to the bathroom. I, I have to do this. Oh, I, I should probably just flip the laundry quickly while I'm at it. And the uh, in the meantime, you're thinking about the work that you're doing. And so you don't clear your mind to do something else. You just kind of, uh, the the task kind of recedes into the background. You continue thinking about it. Maybe you're doing, maybe you're doing something simple, repetitive. At the same time, you're doing something mechanical with your hands. Maybe you're petting a cat like our live studio audience, Eleanor, today. You know, there most definitely is that interruption um, where if you see that interruption as something that is preventing you from doing your work, that might be an inhibitor to flow. But with the reframe of, okay, it's an opportunity to step back, to recharge, to do something else, to uh, think about the work that I'm doing instead of just making progress, uh, maybe taking five minutes to think about how I should be making progress in the first place. I think there's a point where it can serve as a cue and an opportunity instead of an obligation. And so maybe that's, you know, another factor where, you know, if you see interruptions as something that, oh, okay, might as well just flip my whole desk over because I got interrupted here. Um, Maybe the Pomodoro technique won't work for you. But if you're somebody who is able to more cleanly switch between the different tasks and obligations that you have. Um, I'm not going to say you're a better multitasker, but I'll say that you experience a bit less uh, attention residue, which is a topic of a previous podcast as well. So you're able to more cleanly switch between one task to another, to another, to another. It might be better suited for you, but that's also informed by the type of work that you're doing. And so I would also say just as a as a side note the more time pressure you're under with something the better the technique works because when you're under time pressure for something you're actually able to clear out your mind from the previous thing that you were doing as you switch to the next thing so our our mind actually clears out that attention residue more efficiently so if you're on a deadline a tight deadline it might work best in in that situation as well hmm okay well i might be convinced that my strong stance at the beginning of this episode was maybe overly strong. And I will walk back the Fisher Price 
comment. I feel bad about that because it, it, it is a technique that works well for a lot of people. And oh yeah, I it, mean, this is the one I hear about a lot. Yeah. Like, these are the, this is the one that people swear by. Well, so, there's a reason for it, and I I fully appreciate that. I just I have not found that reason in my own work, and yeah. I've, I have tried it. I just I never found it useful. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, that's just me. It's funny. And it's kind of crazy. This was a decade ago, but a decade ago, I started a project that I called a year of productivity at the time. Uh, Essentially, you know, I graduated from university and got a few full-time job offers at the time, but I thought if there's ever a time to explore something that I'm deeply passionate about, it was then. And so... I was passionate about productivity. I still am. I still write books about the topic, uh, about productivity, focus, intention, calm. Um, And I relied on the productivity technique, this Pomodoro technique at that time, a lot. I used it all the time to write. Mm -hmm. I used it all the time to create. Um, But then as time went on and I dove deep into this world of productivity advice, you know, it's a practice. I I really think productivity is a practice where it's something, it's a collection of practices, a, a, a tool belt, if you will, that you can deploy at will and get better at over time. You know, we all have this productivity practice that we're developing. And so, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with it being a gateway productivity habit where once you experience the fruits of a technique like this that are mapped so well on top of the research where we should be breaking for 20, 25% of the day, we should be focusing on one thing at a time. We should have a rhythm to our work. We should have a structure. We should have intention behind what we're doing. It's a great technique to have in your repertoire at the beginning because it accommodates so much of the research out there. But I think you'll find as you go on that you'll see that, oh, wait, this whole universe of productivity techniques also exist. And, oh, I I am becoming more curious and I'm not quite at the point where I'm building a system, but I'm improving upon the system that I already have built that works with who I am, that fits with how I think. Once you get to that point, I think that's the point at which you might find that you outgrow this technique or maybe this technique doesn't fit with what you want to accomplish in the moment. Nicely said. Thank you. Should we wrap up? Yeah. Do you want to wrap up? I always wrap up. Mm, What do we say? What do you usually say? All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Well, finishing up. Uh, timeandattention.fm right? Don't forget to complain about the price of the no, dot .fm domain all you. Okay. Uh, So you get me today apparently oh. And timeandattention.fm yeah. We'll see you in a couple of Tuesdays That's what you say, right? See you next, no, see you in a couple Tuesdays See you in a couple of Tuesdays <laughs> Bye everybody Bye